This is Dr. Daniel Vanning, and welcome to this week's parenting podcast on change, part two. A regular conversation I have with many clients in my therapy work is the conversation about whether people change. People are always trying to change their partner. They are always concerned about whether their husband will change, whether their wife will change. A key therapeutic clarification in this context is is this. You can only change yourself. Nothing you can do will change the other person. As they say in AANA or Gamblers Anonymous, you're only responsible for changing you. Many of the 12 steps have to do with changing ourselves. None of the steps have anything to do with changing others. Many of the key aspects of the treatment of gaming addiction or hooked on the internet, which has been has run rampant uh, during the pandemic, is really about helping the client, and in this case, many tweens and teens, helping them to realize that people can change, that they themselves can change. And through routines, through schedules, through limits, through healthy sleep, this change can emerge. But if you look at some of the 12 steps, they have to do with changing ourselves, not changing others. Look, Take a look at step four, taking inventory. This has to do with, changing, with, with taking our own inventory. Take a look at step seven. This has to do with our own shortcomings. Take a look at step 10. This includes admitting when we are wrong, not when others are wrong. Uh, I was recently working with a couple and I gave them a simple little step, which was, you know, for, for several minutes, we were taking turns talking. I asked them to take turns talking about um, how they see the relationship. And one at a time, they kept, uh, when it was his turn, he kept making you statements, or she, as he was talking to me. She does this, you do this, you do that. And then when it was her turn, he, she was like, you do this, you do that. When you do this, So I asked them to use I statements. It changed everything. That ultimately, they, each of them was responsible only for speaking for themselves about their own thoughts, about their own feelings, and using I statements. And to the best that they could, not use you statements. This changed everything in the atmosphere. It changed everything to go from blaming to taking personal inventory and responsibility for one's own thoughts and feelings. Let me tackle this from another angle. Okay, generally speaking, do relationships change? Um, Linda Waite, who's a University of Chicago researcher, she found some really interesting research on this topic. Couples who were on the brink of divorce Uh, and who rated their marriages as miserable but didn't divorce were significantly better off five years later. Linda Waite, a University of Chicago researcher, found that 77% of these couples who said they were miserable rated their marriages as very happy five years later. What kinds of changes do we see in relationships? Well, one of my favorite researchers, John Gottman, he and Declare, they reported clear evidence that when a man maintains distance in his marriage, disregarding his wife's bids for connection, 
either turning against or turning away from these opportunities for closeness with her, then he is much more apt to end up in an unhappy marriage. But when a husband consistently turns toward these opportunities for connection with his wife, then he is likely to have a happy marriage. So what have I seen at my clinical work? I've seen men who previously disregarded his wife's bid, bids for connection now begin to turn toward her. One gentleman recently told me that he turned off the TV and turned toward her. He said this simple strategy went a long way in changing his routine. In another example of change, far more typical, um, is in terms of the conflict patterns, is uh, where there's a tendency for women in, uh, to bring up concerns, but not men. So Gottman and Silver, they found that more than 80% of the time, it's the wife who brings up sticky marital issues while the husband tries to avoid discussing them. And, and this happens not just in troubled marriages, but it's also true in most happy marriages as well. And recently I was talking to a gentleman who stated that he began to bring up the difficult topics. And what I liked about his approach is he said, I'm not being critical, I'm not picking on her. I just recently began sharing concerns and then listening warmly and carefully. Um, so another example of change. So what about some more significant behavior problems? that you might find in relationships, besides your typical porn, alcohol, gambling, infidelity issues. Um, let's take a look at interpersonal avoidance. So uh, some individuals just, they struggle with severe avoidance issues. Um, they may have discomfort in social situations. They may have intense fear of negative evaluations by others. You know, an aspect of being socially anxious is concerned about um, being embarrassed, afraid of being embarrassed by others. And they may, ha they may, these individuals may also have a strong desire to be liked by others. Uh, and their fear of criticism generally inhibits them from developing the very relationships that they desire. So how do these people change? They change because they get more comfortable with discomfort. They change because they set some goals they realize that the quality of their lives depends on the quality of their relationships. And they just work on one step at a time, being around others and gradually tolerating their discomfort when they're with others. And they work on their social skills. They find ways to engage in conversations to bring about changes in their life. Let's talk about something that people might uh, think is hard to change. Narcissism. This is another area. You might say this is deeper than interpersonal avoidance. Narcissism is characterized by an exaggerated sense of self-importance and a hypersensitivity to the potential criticisms of others. Uh, they have a heightened sense, a heightened sense of, of their personal specialness, which often prevents them from having empathy there really is a lack of empathy. Sometimes life has a way, um, you know, uh, in, people with narcissism, they keep intimate partners at a distance. Uh, they have difficulties in being attentive. 
having empathy, having genuine interest, you know, in others. Um, and sometimes interpersonally, it leaves their partner feeling unloved and lonely. Um, but at the heart of the issue is a lack of empathy. And so what happens? A lot of times life has a way of bringing about change in narcissism. Sometimes, you know, the waves of life are like the waves of an ocean. And sometimes, you know, they're ups and downs. But sometimes we get hit by a major tsunami. Maybe it's the death of, of a loved one. In the worst case scenario, it's, it's the death of a child. Um, it may be a significant trauma. But a lot of times, one's character. So if you, um, if you say that narcissism is at the level of a characterological issue, when there's a deep rupture to one's knowing context, a deep rupture to one's life, they get hit hard by a tsunami and with something that's catastrophic. Um, this often shapes character. This also often changes people. And so even those behavior patterns that we might say are personality disorder or a deep, deeply ingrained personality trait. Look, people change. People change. It's time to have a different view. To, to all my listeners, uh, and, and I often say to my clients, it's time to have an optimistic view. It's time to see that people change. Let me talk about a third pattern. So I mentioned interpersonal avoidance. I mentioned narcissism. Another aspect is anger. And a lot of times when therapists are working with teenagers who have anger issues, it can be very difficult because sometimes it's treatment resistant. Um, but, you know, anger, this is, sometimes it can be destructive, especially if it's a persistent problematic anger. Uh, recurring anger can be especially destructive in, in relationships. Repeated epi episodes of hostile irritation, indignant fault finding, right? Your horrible mother, right? Angry tirades, right? These will undermine communication patterns, um, you know, in which close loving relationships are based. Uh, it has a anger has a destructive impact. And, um, you know, the typical defenses against anger include numbness, judging, irritability, attack, withdrawal, revenge, extreme restriction of response. People just completely shut down, right? Um, and sometimes it's hard to switch from defense uh, to any kind of trust or any kind of expression of appreciation because you, you're in the bunker, you know, if you're a victim of someone's anger, you tend to stay in the bunker and you recruit people who will join you in the bunker uh, rather than take risks, um, you know, rather than risk openness. So it can be hard. Anger can be very difficult in a family. But do people change? Yes, people change. And people learn... Um, you know, I've seen I've seen uh, some of my clients who have gone from 
uh, recognizing an anger problem. And we talked about at the last podcast that once people go from a pre-contemplation stage to a contemplation stage, once they become aware of their problem, and then they begin to make changes and work on their problem, and they recognize the thought patterns behind their anger, and they learn how to self-soothe, and they learn how to manage their emotions when it starts bubbling up. And they learn to be a, a microwave popcorn that slowly heats up rather than a volcano that just explodes. And as they learn the behavioral indicators that they have, as they start to heat up, and they can scale their level of anger from zero to 10, and they start to notice that they're at about a four or five, and what they need to do in terms of fitness and tension reduction, coping skills, and and different strategies. And over time, what happens? What happens is they go against their reinforcement history. What happens is they rewire their neural pathways. What happens is they begin to change their emotional life. They begin to develop coping skills. They begin to self-soothe. And they begin to facilitate openness within the family. And and the, uh, the hostile irritation is gone. Soon they forgive themselves. Soon they no longer are fault finders. Soon they express appreciation and they express thankfulness. Soon they begin to honor people by pointing out strengths and, and positive qualities in other people. That's what happens in families. It's time to recognize to all my listeners out there that people change. People change. And anger can change. Narcissism can change. Interpersonal avoidance can change. If you're listening here, it's time to believe people change. This is Dr. Daniel Van Ingen with hopefully an inspiring and motivating podcast today on some key aspects of relationships and in part two of Does Tad Change? Do People Change? An emphatic yes. Thank you so much for listening.